Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today to talk to you about the Mariners' lackluster, maybe, trade deadline? Oh, let me off the chain. <laughs> um, we're going to get into the Mariners' trade deadline and our thoughts about the new additions that we made, what it means to be losing Paul Seawald for, the, for this team um, in the coming month and a half, two months. Um, and maybe get into the Seahawks if we have time, but it's currently 11 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, August 2nd, um, so we're a little tired, and we might be a little little low energy, but we're going to get a riling discussion in for you guys, because that's what you deserve. All you need to do to wake Tyler up is mention a Mariners trade. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, a little Coyote Picnic. Okay, John. So, uh, do you want to walk through the trade deals? Do you want me to walk through the trade deals? How do you want to? How do you want to go about it? Why don't you let me walk us through it? Because you are going to headline our reactions. That's what I figured. Okay, so I'm going to work from least significant to most. To okay. Save the good stuff for last. Um, we traded a right-handed pitcher, Logan Reinhardt, who is single A plus. Uh, we traded him to the Orioles for right-handed pitcher Edward Bizarro. Bizardo. Bizarre dough. There is a D in there. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, any thoughts? I have none. Uh, Bizarro's a good-looking arm, um, and we didn't really have to give away too much for him. Uh, yeah, well, I, I probably want to talk about the whole the whole trade deadline. Sure. I'll just roll through them. Yeah, then. just roll yeah. through them. We traded infielder Mason McCoy, who's AAA, to the Blue Jays for another right-handed pitcher, Trent Thornton. We traded outfielder A.J. Pollock and infielder Mark Mathias, who's AAA, uh, to the Giants for cash. And we traded Paul Sewald to the Diamondbacks for three players. We got infielder Josh Rojas, first baseman Dominique Cazone, and infielder Ryan Bliss. Um, but we did see, arguably, our best closer, Paul Sewald, go out the door. Yeah. Um, so I think what we should do is let's talk about what we're losing um, first, just to kind of get the get the badness out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the devil out. Come on. Um, so first note: Logan Reinhardt, the pitching prospect prospect that we traded for Bizardo. Uh, I think he's a Double A prospect. I don't think there's much to him. I think he's a reliever. Um, we basically just traded a little bit more controllability for somebody who we think could maybe take on more of a right-handed reliever role on the current team versus somebody who's, who is, is years away. Correct, and which is fantastic because I'm not sure you heard, but there's, there's an opening for a relief pitcher. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, like I said, basically just getting more relief pitchers because we, we lost Seawald and we just need to have more guys and more options. Which is the same reason we traded McCoy for Trent Thornton. Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if we've seen Bizardo yet. Um, as I said, we're recording this on Wednesday, so this is we just watched the Mariners beat the Red Sox two to one in the series, um, which was a great series win after the relatively lackluster trade deadline. Um, but yeah, so trading McCoy for Thornton, we've seen Thornton a couple times, and he's looked really good in uh, in his outings. Um, he's definitely not a high leverage arm like a Brash or Munoz, but he he could be a good seventh inning, sixth inning guy to get you to uh, to those to Brash or Munoz. Um, and I would kind of think of him as another or right-handed like Saucedo, Taylor mm. Saucedo. Um, just yeah, a nice bridge, nice solid arm. You can never have enough good, trustworthy arms in the bullpen, so it's mm. always always nice. One other thing to note, uh, especially in the game today. Uh, Spire, Gabe Spire, who we've had on the, on the roster for a while, he's our, one of our lefty relief pitchers, he uh, got a little shaken up at one point during his, his outing today, so maybe another we might be down another reliever, um, uh. which would suck because Spire's been very good for us over the course of this season, um, and he's kind of kind of been what services like to use as a lefty specialist, even though 
technically in current Major League Baseball, those don't really exist because you have to face a minimum of three batters. But he's been kind of our, our lefty go-to pitcher. But I think Saucedo may have to take a little bit more of a role if Spire's injured. Um, anyways, I'm getting way too much information out right now. I just need to go. <laughs> John's giving me the look. Let him off the chair. I don't, I don't know why you're talking. That look was admiration is what that was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we traded A.J. Pollock and Mark Mathias to the Giants for a player to be named later. Uh, A.J. Pollock was injured. More likely cash than player to be named later. They're both still on the table. Yes, that's true. Um, But yeah, A.J. Pollock was on the injured list and uh, hasn't really been performing for us. We've called the DFAM a while ago, and that finally happened. I don't think anybody was shocked by this move. I think we saw that deal go through, and we were like, who's going to be, who are we going to be receiving for that that combination correct nobody turns out money (laughs) just just money yeah um Um, but mark mathias is kind of like a a utility infielder like john was saying um nobody nobody too crazy to be to be missing a ton but he's uh he would have been he's he's kind of like a sam haggerty light like even even lighter than sam haggerty but wow even lighter than sam (laughs) yeah aj is kind of the classic example of like a sunk cost where we brought him in, and both of us, we talked about AJ before the season started, and we were optimistic about what he could bring to the team. And he has been so mediocre, and that's giving him too much credit. He's been sub-mediocre. He's been bad. And to see him go out the door for cash hurts a little because the investment in him was more than that. Um, But any decent economist will tell you, you can't hold on to a sunk cost, you know. Just because you put too much into it doesn't mean you should hold on to it. If you love it, let it go. And if you hate it, let it go. <laughs> so however you feel about AJ, we should let it go. Yeah, just feeling like Elsa from Frozen out there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair. And probably the biggest piece that we lost... Um, probably. In terms of, in terms of trades... Uh, was Paul Seawald. Um, it sucks to see a, a guy who's really embraced Seattle go for for three players who we don't really know. Like It was kind of like every, the, the people that were buying at the trade deadline, the people that needed relief pitchers, were willing to give a lot. And we got a lot, but I feel like Paul Seawald, we, it could have been like one big name or three smaller pieces, and we got the three smaller pieces, so it doesn't feel like much. Um, but as a... As a clubhouse member, Paul Seawald was great in the bullpen. He was great for the guys. He was great for the city of Seattle. We all loved him. Um, so it's really tough to see him go. We all, we, we all wish him the best. Um, he really he was kind of a, a late bloomer when you think about it. He, he was on the Mets, and we traded for him. Um, or maybe maybe he, he's – I don't even remember, but I think we, we acquired him after he was on the Mets. And uh, he really took off when he started pitching with us, and he was really one of those guys that really trusted the Mariners' process and, you know – developed his his fastball slider combination such that he could use it and become a very good relief pitcher which he wasn't before a few years ago um so really sad to see him go and really tough to see one of those guys that was a representative of the mariners pitching process working have to depart um but wish him nothing but the best in arizona i'm sure he's going to do great things there and uh 50 50 oh john's turned on a tiktok Just looking at player reference next until he turned on the volume. Just getting my Paul Seawall thoughts put together. <laughs> no trimming that out. <laughs> no, we're not we're not trimming that out. Um, well, enough yeah. of that enough of that cheesy stuff anyway. Bye, Paul. I'll, we'll miss you. <laughs> Some interesting stats about Paul. Um, obviously, one of our best, if not our best, relief pitchers during his time here. Um, and he has. He's been really good since he's been with us. Just to point out what you're talking about, about what a late bloomer he was, he spent four years with the Mets. This is his third year with Seattle. In his three years in Seattle, he has 18 times as many wins as he did in his four years with the Mets. Um, He had some rough years with them. 2020, I'm not sure how many outings he had, but he had 13 and a half ERA in, in five games. So Yeah, that was the that was the shortened COVID season. Yeah. But yeah. But just getting raked and he's definitely put together his three best seasons by a large margin while he's been here. Um yeah, he's what would that put him at? 
32, 33 years old now, something along those lines. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about why it might be a painful move for the Mariners and why we might not agree with it. But he's an older relief pitcher who has been putting up some of his best years recently. Depending on what you think about the value we got in return, not necessarily the worst time in the world to move off Paul. Yeah, as tough as that is to hear, John's right. It's like he had he had the most the most value if, if it wasn't this year, it was last year. But the most value you're going to get for him this year. And if you're willing to trade him to get pieces that help you this year, which is debatable, help yeah. you this year and in the coming years, uh, it's, a, it's a worthy trade. It's just tough to see him go. And we'll continue to discuss the trade deadline in, in, in its entirety after this. But let me get into... Um, a couple more guys who will no longer be on the 26-man roster. Uh, Colton Wong was DFA'd to make space. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> I know John was John was waiting for that one. <laughs> he uh, he was DFA'd uh, today to make space for Dominic Canzone, or I guess yesterday, as we as we record this the day after the deadline. Um, additionally, Taylor Trammell was sent down to AAA, and Juan Ten, who was is a relief pitcher, um, were also sent down. Was also sent down to AAA. Um, to make space for Thornton and Bizardo. Um So, that leads us into who we acquired. Who were who these people that we got? Um, the first guy, obviously we talked about Thornton and Bizardo. The first guy in the Paul Seawald deal who is a minor leaguer, so we're, we're, we traded to get this guy so that he could maybe provide for us in the coming years. He's not going to be in, uh, in the majors this year. Uh, Ryan Bliss, he's basically a second-base prospect. I kind of think of him as a, as a Jose Altuve guy. Where he's got, he had a good on base, um, and he's like, you know, has some power, but he's just, he's 5'7, he's like 160, like he's a small dude. Say more. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I always feel bad for every 5'7 prospect out there. Jose Altuve has ruined them because they all get comp to Jose, well, the, and then they're all massive disappointments. I was going to say, the problem is there's only one Jose Altuve. Yeah. Nobody else can be comped to anybody else because there's nobody else like him. I hate Jose Altuve, not because of his character, but because of the jersey he wears. Um, but he is truly a one-of-one. One. I've never seen anything quite like him before. So maybe not quite Jose Altuve, but maybe Jose Altuve light, a poor man's Jose. Um, yeah, a lot of what I heard about Bliss is that he's got good bat speed. He's got good base running skills. He's kind of he's got a lot of tools, but he's just so small that he, it requires a lot of like use of, use of the body is how I would put it. Like it's it takes taxes him a lot um, and takes a lot of things to go right for him to be a good player. Um, so I think if anything, he'll have kind of a shorter window of availability to be good in all in all honesty. See, that's the opposite of me. My my use of the body stat is minned out. I, I'm really I'm, I'm really stretching my natural John, talents. John's been playing Halo since we last recorded. <laughs> <laughs> We're tired for different reasons. <laughs> um the other two guys we record or we not recorded, we uh, traded for were utility player Jose or not Jose, Josh Rojas, um, who plays third base and second base. Um, I think we acquired him as more of a second baseman replacement for Colton Wong. Um, he's decent. He's been in the majors for a few years now. Um, in 2021 and 2022 were kind of his breakout years. He hit 264 and 269 respectively nice. um, with WRC pluses of 102 and 108. So like a little bit above average player. Um, but, you know, if those guys, if he's hitting 100 WRC plus, that is three times better than Colton Wong at this point. Goodness. So <laughs> it cannot get worse than Colton Wong. Yeah. Um so we're just hoping for them to kind of him to kind of return to form. He's currently this year in two twenty three with a fifty eight WRC plus, which kind of is tough to see after you trade or you you know, you're trying to move up from Colton Wong and moving up to you know fifty percent below league average is not <laughs> much more than seventy percent. Below league, league, bleh, below league average. I'm having trouble speaking right now. Yeah, it's still pretty mediocre. Um, but we're hoping he can turn it around. Um, but I think the major prize in this deal is Dominic Canzone, who is an outfielder slash first baseman. I think the Mariners see him as more of an outfielder. Um, he's 5'11", 190, 25 years old. He's got, he's got a very limited time in the majors, but uh, he's shown at kind of every level 
that he's been good enough to adjust. I think the big thing for him has been so he was hitting. He's he's been killing the ball in triple or yeah in triple A this year. Um, so he, I'll, let me just give you his WRC plus stats over the last few years, please. So in 2021, he moved. Or he was in A plus or high A ball. He had a WRC plus of 113, and he moved up to double A ball, which is like for us, the Arkansas Travelers, he had a WRC plus of 171, which is 71% better than the average double-A player. So the next year they moved him up uh, to AAA, where he hit a WRC plus of 107, still above average player. Um, for, and also the next year he was also had a WRC plus of 223 in AA Ooh, before, okay. before that, before moving him up a little bit further. Um, and then, so last year he kind of like struggled by his terms, had a WRC plus of 107, and then this year he had a WRC plus of 149 in AAA. So they brought him up, and he's currently struggling a little bit. He's only got uh, 16 games in the majors, 45 plate appearances, as uh, I'm reading this off fan graphs right now. Um, and he's got a WRC plus of 81, which is expected. Like, you you bump from That's 149... for a guy coming right out of AAA yeah. ball, yeah. Exactly. That's my thought, is he's... Fresh out of AAA ball, but he's shown in every level the ability to improve, which is kind of what I was looking for, is his batting average, his WRC+, plus, everything that you want to see from uh, from a hitter is getting better the more time he spends at every level, um, which is what you want to see. He's 25, correct? Yeah, okay. super young, so very controllable. So he's moving up quick. Yep. Um, and what that also you know, speaks to is the fact that you're right. Every time he's had a chance to sit at one level for a while, his improvement has grown dramatically. Obviously, anytime you skip a grade, um, your performance is going to drop off. But he's shown that given time to adjust, he can raise his standard. (laughs) He's got a WRC plus of 80. (laughs) We can can slot him right in at second base. Pull him (laughs) out of the outfield. Let's get him in there. Um, Yeah. Okay, so those are who we got in return. Obviously, anytime you get three players for one player, you're not going to get the best player in the trade. What are your thoughts in terms of the value that we gave up for the value we received both for this team and for the team going forward? This might might be a hot take. There's been a, like a lot of like instant reactions to the to the Paul Seawald trade because obviously. For those of you listening, that was the big trade. It was Paul Seawald for those three players. Correct. And uh, everything else was kind of like working around the edges. Literally, the last, the first two we talked about were getting additional relief pitchers to make up for the Paul Seawald trade. It was literally a reaction to that trade. Yeah. Um, so, the yeah, the trade we're going to talk about in terms of the Mariners kind of grading how we feel about the trade deadline is going to be the Paul Seawald trade um, purely for those reasons. That being said... I don't think the team today is better than the team was with, with Paul Seawald on it. Um, I think you would agree with that. Paul Seawald made the team better. He had, a, I think he's just, you know, if you have a ace closer for the rest of the season or two guys who are hitting 220 and 230 um, playing once every other day, they're not providing as much value as they were, or as Paul Seawald is providing. So with that, I think purely by statistical standards, the team is not better. But I am a big fan of Dominic Canzone, and uh, I believe in his ability to adjust. I think Josh Rojas is kind of like the guy who we're keeping around to take that second baseman spot. He's a left-handed bat, so he's basically taking over the Colton Wong spot in on the roster. Um, and he'll play whenever there's a right-handed pitcher so that we don't have to play Caballero or Dylan Moore against a right-handed pitcher. Um and he'll just he'll get those opportunities for for Josh Rojas. Dominic Canzone has played in the two two days that he's been here. He's played both games. I think he's one for four and zero oh for three. So he's got one double, a walk, and then just you know gotten out a few times. But that's still I didn't fine. know he played already. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Baseball does not mess around. No, they when just you, get it done. Yeah, when you get traded in the NBA, it's like a month before you step on the court. <laughs> but baseball is like, here's your new uniform. Get out there. Here's a slap on the ass and a wooden bat. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so I guess what makes this conversation interesting, because from a long-term perspective, I don't think there's any doubt that it was a good trade for long-term perspective. Getting rid of a guy who's probably as good as he will ever be right now for three essential prospects. One guy is a little more settled. You you were talking about Josh Rojas. 
we may have a better idea of what he is, and it's not fantastic. But he had two good years the last couple of years. He just hasn't yes. been performing this year. Okay. But his peak is probably you know something around two seventy. But yeah, regardless, Cazone can zone. That's tough. Can zone um, has a higher ceiling, and then Ryan Bliss is a is a wild card. But three prospects. So looking forward for the next three four years, that's a good deal. But the Mariners are kind of peaking right now a little bit. Just a little bit in the most frustrating, typical Mariners way possible. They're kind of peaking right now. They have won seven of their last nine series. Going back to the beginning of July. They've lost two series of their last nine. They're winning games. After the trade deadline, after some of these players have gone out, we win a series against the Red Sox, who were you know, still currently ahead of us in the standings. Um, By one game. By one game now. And we give up our best closer. Tyler. Give me something. Where's the fire? Okay. We're gonna we're gonna compose ourselves a little bit and then just release, but I'm gonna try and talk a little slower so I don't mess up my words. If you cry on audio, you know, the viewers will understand, you know. People just gonna, like the just emotion. hear a couple sniffles, you know. <laughs> it's raining out here, okay? <laughs> we're recording outside. Um, the Mariners are 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight series. Uh, you're right. I, I'm sorry. I said they'd lost two. The one was a tie. Yeah. Um, they were the best team in, the major, in Major League Baseball in the month of July, tied with the Orioles. Uh, everything about them was pointing in a positive direction. The Angels were plummeting. The Astros and Rangers are now tied for first in the AL West standings, which, first of all, Kudos to you, John, for sticking with the Rangers suck theory. Um. <laughs> yeah, they're coming. They're coming down. They're relinquishing the top spot. They're going to be third in a matter of weeks. They've had uh, quite a few injuries, and they're also still six games ahead of us. But we're we're on track. Um, either way, the Mariners are the best team in baseball right now. They're playing the best team, the best baseball in all of Major League Baseball right now. And we traded away our best relief pitcher. Andres Munoz is the most talent, but Paul Seawald is our best, most reliable relief pitcher. He's the guy you're most comfortable seeing come in. Yeah. We traded him because we weren't sure if we wanted to sell or buy, so we did a move that made it seem like we could do something instead of stand pat. I feel like that's that's what it felt like. was We couldn't we didn't want to trade Teo because he's a good hitter. If we trade Teo, that means we're selling. We didn't trade Ty because the clubhouse loves Ty France. Paul Seawald was, of the three that we talked about last podcast, the most expendable, which sucks to say, the most expendable. By the way, we called it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's the most expendable player of the of the three people that everybody was thinking were going to be dealt at the trade deadline. Um, and you could get a decent amount for him in return while making it seem like the team could compete and could get better from that trade. But nobody believes that. Nobody actually believes that trading Paul Seawald was the right move if you were going to not trade Teoscar Hernandez or Ty France. If you're going to trade Paul Seawald, you need to commit to that and either get better, get more bats, because Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas are not the people that you can use to improve the team to the level that we want to be to commit to going for the playoffs. Or if you wanted to sell and get better for next year, fucking trade Teoscar Hernandez. Love he it. leaves in, three mo- in two months. Love it. Great call. Great Great fucking call is what that was. Because because you can't have it both ways. You're either, if you're going to trade him but still commit to the year, then you have to trade him and maybe somebody else for a bat that is real this year. And if you're saying, no, prospects are fine, then you can't hold on to all these uncontrolled 30-year-olds. You can't do it. That's that's the big problem. It's like... and. I love Paul, and if we would have held on to him and pushed this year, that would have been fine too. But you can't get rid of your best closer when what you're essentially saying is we're half committing to rebuilding, but we're still going to keep. Even if you're going to keep Ty France, not only is he a clubhouse guy, he's also the fans love him. You know who the fans aren't 100% pined? Teoscar Hernandez. Not a lot of Teoscar jerseys wandering around the streets of Seattle, i got to be honest. How do you hold on to him? He still has value. Now, so one thing that I've heard from Jerry and Justin Hollander, who are the president president and vice president of baseball operations, is that 
Teoscar Hernandez and bats like Teoscar Hernandez weren't going for much or were yeah weren't going for much. You weren't going to get a lot for trading those players because they were underperforming. Bats like that are pretty available. You get Mark Canna, you can get Tommy Pham, guys like that for a little cheaper. Teoscar Hernandez would probably have been pretty expensive, even though he hasn't been playing as well as we wanted him to. He would have been in terms of like the the trade deadline. He would have been a little bit more than what most teams would have been asking for. And I don't think you trade Teoscar Hernandez for a bat that helps you this year because that's Teoscar Hernandez. That's what you're hoping <laughs> for from him. But if you're going to trade Paul Seawald and do this and keep Teoscar, trade Teoscar for a reliever, trade Paul for a major league piece right now. You can't make this like backwards lateral trade that doesn't help you right now because it, it doesn't do anything for the team. It just makes everybody it makes the clubhouse hate the front office because you're losing one of the leaders of the clubhouse. It makes the fans not sure how to feel about these new players if they don't perform immediately because you're losing yeah, puts a guy who them. is performing right now. Those players could get booed the instant they strike out in their first at-bat because fans are upset. Canzone, I'm talking to you. You better bring it, son. No, yeah, that's that's very fair. And it uh, it is what it is, I guess. But uh, it is frustrating, especially for a team that you were saying – the Mariners are playing the best baseball in the MLB right now, but we're also four games above 500. So if we want to win this year, you can't just... It's not like we're 15 games above 500 and playing the best in baseball where we have this kind of wiggle room to try to figure out who we are as a team. If we want to push it this year, we have to continue to win series. We're going to have to win a lot more. We're going to have to be the best team in baseball for another month if we want a shot at the playoff. Um, so to essentially weaken the chance of that happening for some prospects for the future, it's uh, it's just inconclusive. Give me conclusion. You know, honestly, I can't really blame the front office because they all they're doing is reflecting this year's team. Just a classic 2023 Mariners move. Front office down down to the players of just giving us a little but not everything and kind of keeping us confused as to what, the, what this team is going to look like. So uh, kudos to the front office for at least staying consistent. Um, the Mariners are three and a half games back of the third wild card spot. Only three and a half now. Tied with the Yankees, a game behind the Red Sox. Obviously if they won Tuesday, which they definitely could have, um, they would be the next team out of the wild card behind the Blue Jays, who we are we own the tiebreaker for if we if we you know had the same record at the end of the season. Correct. Um we're so close. What is so close and yet be careful. So close and yet so far, because we're a two game losing streak away from being five and a half out of the wild card. That's true. Um it just feels so close. Which that's, is why it would be nice to thing. have the best closer on our team. It would be nice to have the best closer on our team, another bat, just like something to help us help propel the team instead of drag it back. Yes. I feel like that's what they were tr- I feel like that's what the front office was trying to do without saying it was, hey, make the team a little worse. So they lose three games in a row. So they lose this series to the Red Sox. And we're looking up and instead of being three and a half games back, we're five and a half games back. And then it makes things easy. And then it makes things easier. But the problem is we won the goddamn series against the Red Sox. Yeah, that, that the was team's not, still good. That was you, not the You plan. didn't fuck it up enough, Jerry. <laughs> Julio's just rallying into form right now. Goddamn. Should we take a minute to talk about Julio? Sure, if you want to. He's had just a fantastic couple of weeks. You know who had a fantastic couple of days is Cal Raleigh. Three mm-hmm. home runs in three games. Cal. God. We all love Cal. I was at the game on Monday, two home runs, just basically the same exact spot. Right, a great ankle of the dumper, you know? Generating a lot of power, that's all I'll say. <laughs> he hardly even swings his arms. It's all in the legs, man. Yeah, no, he and Gino and Tom Murphy's been on it. They've all three have been on a tear. Julio's been decent for Julio standards, like like you were saying. He's been good the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, for what we expect from him. Expectations be are high, yeah. Yeah, but Tom Murphy has been great. I actually picked him up for my fantasy team. Oh. You know how it is. Um, How old is Tom Murphy? I think he's 30. I'm done with him. I can't. I just turned 26 the other day, and suddenly I hate all 30 olds. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is John's happy birthday episode. His, uh, his birthday was yesterday, so tell him happy birthday next time you see him. We should have done a whole Colts preview <laughs> just for me. 
We'll do that just on the couch in our own time. Buddy. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, the listeners don't need that. Um, I want to get off, not get off this take, but I want to talk about something. Let me pull up some numbers. Over the last six seasons, Colton Wong has had a war, winner by replacement, of 2.1, 2.2, 1.2 in the shortened season. 3.5. Yeah, 1.2 in the shortened season. So they played 60 games. You multiply that by one and a half. He's up around 3.5 again. Um, or I guess more close to three, but still. Um, 2.5, 2.4, and then his season with the Mariners, negative uh, one. Oof. So I did the math, and being conservative, if Colton Wong was at a positive one war, which would be less than on pace than he was for each of those last five before this season. Technically, with the way that war works, we should have two more wins. If Colton Wong played to his average, not not great, not great for Colton Wong standards, average, this team buys so fucking hard at the trade deadline. <laughs> And it all comes back to how much Colton Wong fucking sucks. God, we hate Colton Wong on this podcast. Yeah. I don't care. Colton Wong, if you're listening, call in. We've got some things to say to you. You seem like a great guy. but <laughs> Stop. But don't, don't back down. I hope you get very mildly injured in a car accident. Nothing bad, but inconvenient for sure. I hope you break a finger. Jesus. No, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. I hope you have to deal with insurance. <laughs> he, the guy's making millions of dollars, and he's costing our team a shot at the playoff. I hope you break a finger, okay? And I hope it hurts. John, you can't say that. I can say that. Put it in a brace. I've said way worse things about Tom Brady. Um, you said a lot of really bad things about Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad we were recording some of those things I said about Tom. Yeah, uh... I think Colton Long's he's an interesting like case study in like he was a, a really really solid MLB player for a long time, but he was never like famous. Like he was you know known within MLB circles as a talented guy. The but, Mariners fans loved him because they thought he would, would have been a great fit for them. Correct, but he wasn't a guy that necessarily any fan on the street would know who he was and what he what he was capable of. You know what he was good at. Um, and so the fact that a really solid player has moved to a new team and completely stunk it up really has kind of just gone under the radar. It's just, like, been disappointing the whole time. But there hasn't really been, like, a big Colton Wong discussion of, like, what you're just saying. The guy was a plus three-and-a-half war guy, like, three years ago, and he can't even get on a field now? That's, like, crazy. He's been awful he's been really 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 bad i would i would be curious to see like you know jesse winker kind of did the same thing last year mm. where he was good and he's young relatively but he's young um people and just, could say that about max scherzer this year maybe <laughs> you know i feel about mad max i know um but yeah there's there's just some guys that for whatever reason they get into a funk and i think it's a light maybe case of the yips where it's just like as soon as you start playing poorly and you're not in a place that you know has seen you perform you either try and push mm. or you just can't can't get back to where you were and so that kind of thing can happen um it'd be interesting to study those kinds of things but yeah colton's been that's a good point and shouldn't be undervalued of like as disappointing as this season has been by, like, a fair margin, Colton Wong has been the most disappointing part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's been a lot of discussion with the with Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander about how the acquisitions that they made are not panning out the way that they thought they would. Teoscar's the same way. Um, yeah, exactly. Teoscar, AJ Pollock, uh, Tommy Listella, who everybody knew was going to be bad. <laughs> Do you remember me getting on the Tommy Listella corner? Yeah, I regret that one. You're right. Every single one of those ac- acquisitions has been booty, pardon my French. Every single one of those has been bad. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's not much more to say. It's yeah, just like yeah. the guys that they acquired, for whatever reason, didn't perform. I don't know if it's their, their major league scouting who's not you know, not doing very good at seeing when guys are falling. Or maybe it's just 
them moving teams unexpectedly or them trading for those guys or signing them in free agency is not what those guys were prepared to do and they come to the Mariners not ready to perform. But for whatever reason, yeah, the the major league acquisitions that the that the current front office has been making have not been super substantial besides the Luis Castillo trade. Everybody else has been That's a good pretty call. subpar. That's a good call. Yeah, I I would say that uh, Colton Wong being as bad as he has been, well healthy, has been more disappointing than Robbie Ray getting hurt for the season. Oh yeah, like the well, granted the fact that we have pitchers who could have who could take Robbie Ray's spot made yeah, it okay. That has been nice, but yeah, um, God, it's frustrating, man. Yeah, well, I'm not sure there's much more to say on the nerves. Any any closing statements? Any predictions for the future, perhaps? Yeah, I think what we should do is give a grade for for the trade deadline. Okay. So, you know, like I said, we we the main deal was the Paul Seawald to the Diamondbacks for Rojas, Canzone, and Bliss, and then a couple supplementals. And then the supplementals. John, give me give me a A through F ranking of how you how you feel about this trade and why you gave it that ranking. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'm going to be a bit of the voice of reason here, as I always am. You know, you're always firing off these outlandish takes, telling somebody to break their finger. That's not okay, Tyler. Um, I'm going to give the trade a B. Um, And the reason I'm going to give it a B is because I do think that giving up a relief pitcher in his mid-30s for young prospects with upside um, is good on a young team. obviously disappointing right now but it's also only disappointing because we've had a tremendous month um yeah we've we've gone six one and one in our last eight series and we're four games above 500 so you know as a lot of these decisions were being mulled over and a lot of these things kind of thought about the team was not in the place that it is right now it's kind of easy to you know play with hindsight but you know we also don't know where this team's going to be in a month. And if we're back down to 500 in a month, I don't think it's fair to say that Paul Seawald would have had us in the playoff hunt. You know, um, if, we are, if we miss out at the end of the season by a game, we can go ahead and lower the grade of this trade because that's something that Paul Seawald could have changed. Um, but this team is more or less what it is. And despite how awesome we've been playing recently and how fun it's been to watch, I still don't know what this team is. So prospects are good. I'm giving it a B. Tyler, what are you giving it? Give it the F. Do it. No, I can't. I can't go ahead. <laughs> I think it sits at a C plus for me. Okay, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, yeah, I think we're we're in relative agreement. As much as I hate to say it, mm. uh, the team's one bad stretch away from being out of the wild card hunt. And that's really all we can hunt for at this point with the Astros playing as well as they are. Uh, and so that being said, obviously we want the team to buy and buy in on these players and this this current team. But everything that John and I have talked about before this before the trade deadline still applies. There's still a team that relatively for the first three months of the season played to their opponent. And just because they've been playing well for a month doesn't mean they can't play poorly for a month. Yeah, we've also, just for the record, in our six series wins, we have zero sweeps. Yeah. Just worth noting. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Paul Seawald is, you know, by the end of this season, he might be, he might have given us an extra two wins, maybe, Mm. by the end of this two-month stretch. I don't think it's fair to say that these two guys that are coming from the Diamondbacks this year won't give us those two wins. It's likely they won't. It's likely they won't, but it's, who's, who's yeah. to say that Paul Seawald wouldn't have imploded like he did at the end of last year, where he could we used him so much over the stretch. Like, we used him five of the last six games before we traded him. Yeah. Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Um... <laughs> like the Cowboys running Zeke into the ground before yeah. cutting the hail. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we, we put in all the time to make this guy a good pitcher, and I'm sure that the team has really been supportive of him as he transitions to Arizona. 
I'm sure they'll say, hey, keep doing what you've been doing because we, we taught you all these great things as to how to pitch and throw to, throw to hitters. Um, and as great as Paul Seawald is, it's tough to say, hey, we shouldn't have traded a year and a half of Paul Seawald for, for some talented for prospects. For some talented prospects. And, you know, because you're, you're making a very good point. There's a chance that this year the trade could be closer to even than we think. If Kenzone can step into the lineup and provide anything, there's a chance that this could come out. Even if we lose on the year, it could come out closer than we think to net on the year. And then if next year, or if in two years, Kenzone's batting 275, then suddenly we won the trade. That's all we need. I don't think that's unrealistic to ask. I'm asking for 275. If we get that from one of the three prospects we brought in, in the next two years, then the trade's a win because that's what the team seems to need in the moment, not additional pitching from an older reliever. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess that's what it is. It's a, it's a low-floor, high-ceiling trade. I guess a low-floor, mid-ceiling trade. We don't think any of these guys are going to be superstars, but, um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I it, like the B. I like the C plus two, but I like the B. It it feels bad, which is why you want to go. It low. feels bad. Yeah. And you know, part of the reason it feels bad, this is worth noting, is that as you've said, general management has done such a bad job in recent years bringing in batters that every time a new batter comes to the Mariners, I kind of have just like a sinking feeling in my stomach about him. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's gonna suck because everyone else has the last four or five years. Who's the last talented batter the Mariners brought in? Since, like, Robinson Cano, who is the next guy? I mean, Gino, kind of. But he's talented in the fact that he can hit. Yeah. And we had, we got him as an accessory to the Jesse Winker deal. Yeah. Like, yeah. we thought Jesse Winker was going to be an ama- amazing piece, and yeah. he turned out to be nothing. Mm-hmm. JP turned into something from the Phillies when we traded Gene Segura for him. That's a good point. JP. JP's a good one. Um, yeah, there's been there's been some, some good ones, but they're players that were generally, like, a little ways away. Gino was kind of the exception, and I, to be honest, Gino's like an average hitter now. Like I wouldn't say he's an above average hitter. No, by any means. yeah, he's pretty average. Maybe uh-huh. even a little sub. Yeah, but so yeah, so maybe we're being hopefully, hopefully we're being overly harsh to the prospects that are being brought in, and they'll surprise us. Maybe all three will be hitting two seventy five. Who knows? Um, probably not. Um, at the end of the day, we. Uh, we understand why they made the trade. I don't think there's any, any doubt in our minds that they did this for the reasons that we've talked about. Um, it feels bad. It sucks to not go all in. Like we, like, like we said, it sucks in the sense of losing Paul and kind of still being in the same spot that we were in because we just lost a guy that we all like and we didn't make many improvements. But at the end of the day, it could be better. That's all I'm saying. It could, it could end up being better that we got these guys instead of keeping Paul. Correct. I, I, I'm with you right there. Um, are the Mariners going to make the playoffs? No. Oh, I was going to say no, too. I was hoping we would disagree. Both no. Sorry, guys. Bunch of Debbie Downers over here. We sure would hate if somebody proved me wrong. Gosh. Wouldn't it suck if we reverse jinxed that? <laughs> um, but we'll see. Uh, we're getting up there on time. Why don't we spend just a couple minutes talking Seahawks? I like it. John's feeling energized again. He was tired at the start of this pod. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm too excited now. Um, so yeah, you know, it's been, to all our faithful listeners, it's been a lot of Mariners content over the last couple weeks because that's really been what there is to talk about. Um, but football season, creeping. Creeping, creeping, creeping around the corner. Did you say next week is the first week of preseason? Yeah, next weekend is the first preseason game. I'm sure we'll have a pod, or our pod next week. We'll have a pod. Don't worry, everybody. Um, They're not taking our pod from us. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk next week a little bit more in detail about what's going on, what are we looking for in the preseason, how are we going to analyze these things, what are we going to see from Jackson Smith and Jigba, and mm. how great is he going to be, because it's going to be awesome. I also just love that while we're talking about the Seahawks, that everybody always jumps to Njigba, Njigba, Njigba. I'm going to have to say that ten times fast. Um, 
we always just forget that Devin Witherspoon was our actual like first pick. People are just so excited about Jigba that it, he, we always act like he was our first round pick. Um, well, he he was he was one of them. He was a first round pick. The second, I know what one. you're saying. Um, he's gonna be good. I like him. I'm curious to see. I'm always curious to see about wide receivers that come out of you know Alabama or Ohio State, particularly when they weren't the best wide receiver on their own team. Because obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. was the best wide receiver on that Ohio State team. And Jacob was awesome, very effective. But I'm curious to see how he fits in. I guess he'll be the third best receiver on on his current team, which will be a bit of a, a glut of resources. Um, but I wanted to talk. We'll get more into the young guys when we're talking preseason, what to expect, how we can expect the team to change. I wanted to just have a little NFC talk with you. Just to end the pot. little like NFC that. talk. Um Looking at uh, NFL projected standings from USAA, the Seahawks are the fifth projected NFC team behind the Eagles in the East, Cowboys in the East, Niners in the West, and Vikings in the North. So, sorry, NFC South, you're not even in the top five, which seems very reasonable. Yeah, not surprising at all. Not surprising really at all. Um, but they're projected to have 8.6 wins on the year. So they're projected to go 9-8. and eight. A little conservative, in my opinion. I think the team's going to be good. I actually think, yeah, Niners are projected at 10-7. and seven. I think that... We could compete with them. I think we're a more complete team than the Niners. Obviously, their defense is better. And they have McCaffrey. They have better pieces, technically. Like, Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, George Kittle. But all of those guys are getting older every year. All of those guys were hypothetically better three years ago than they are now. Yeah, but we have Tyler Lockett. Like, he's been, he was better three years ago than he was now. DK Metcalf. Correct. Is the best he's been, but. DK's a, what, third year guy? Fourth year guy? Yeah. DK's entering his, just starting to enter his prime. There's an argument Tyler Lockett could be our third best receiver this year, and that'd be fine. They need Kittle and Samuels to carry that offense in terms of a receiving standpoint, and both of those guys are getting into their late 20s, um, which, you know, once you get into your late 20s, you're basically dead. We're two years from that. <laughs> I, hate, I hate being 26. Um yeah, what do you what do you think about the NFC? I don't want to talk to AFC. I don't want to get into Mahomes no. and Josh Allen. There's too much going on over there. I'm not interested. Um, NFC is fairly wide open. Obviously, the Eagles are prohibitive favorites. They had arguably the best draft after making the Super Bowl. But if the second best team in the NFC is the Cowboys, then my question is, why isn't the second best team in the NFC the Seahawks? Well... Everybody, I don't, I don't understand the Cowboys hype. I've never understood the Cowboys hype. They're bad every year. Yeah, um, the Seahawks are going to be better than the Cowboys. Put it in your, put it in your calendar. Listen, listen to this pod. Write it down. Liquidate we call it your this. savings. Take your kids' college tuition. The Seahawks are going to be better than the Cowboys. Tyler Cartwright. Be sure to wait for his Twitter handle at the end of the show. <laughs> um, the Vikings. I don't see them being amazing by any standard. Uh, and the Niners, we could be better than. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an assured quarterback. Yeah, you're right about the Niners. They're a good team without a quarterback. How the heck are the Vikings projected to get one more win than us? I know that their division is bad. That team is bad. That team has been getting worse every single year. They still have Kirk Cousins. They have a single monstrous talent on offense in Justin Jefferson. They just lost Alvin Cook. They lost Adam Thielen. That offense is going to be Bare bones. Get me Justin Jefferson on your fantasy team. Like that guy. He's going to be the Cooper Cup from two years ago. Absolutely, the guy's going to put up some monstrous numbers. That offense is going to be bad, and their defense is a sieve. Why? Why do I think the Vikings are even going to win the NFC North? I would take the Bears. Oh, that's a hot take. There's a hot take for you. I would take the Bears. Value wise, that might be that might be a good move. I don't want value. Give them even odds. I'm taking the Bears. Jesus Christ, John. They have a better quarterback, they have a better defense, and they have young receivers. Go, go talk to your bookie about that one. I don't know that uh, I don't know that the people need to hear that take and, and follow your lead. My, <laughs> my bookie is my dad, and he's very excited about the Bears. Um, no, I think 
the Seahawks will be the second best team in the NFC. Good. Okay. If you're going to say first, we're going to have to have words about the Eagles, and I don't want. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be down on the. Don't want to be down on the Hawks. Let's just say. Let's just say a bird will be the top two teams in the NFC. How's yeah. That? Yeah. I like How's that. that? We'll leave, leave it a little open ended. Um. Okay. Well, that's you know that's a nice little football tease. You know, maybe we'll get a little more into it next week. Anything else you want to talk about with the Hawks? Uh, the Seahawks secondary and defense is going to be amazing this upcoming season. Mm. That's why we like them. It's not because of their three wide receivers, because you know your wide receivers are only good as, your, as good as your quarterback. The Seahawks have a great secondary, a great defense in general, and they've got a great anchor on offense in Geno Smith. He's going to be in, enough. That's all we care about. Um, yeah, look forward to more discussion like that. Yeah, this team's a pretty classically built in terms of. Uh just inside out in terms of our offense. It's our quarterback and our receivers, our line and running back need some work. And then our defense, it's our secondary. Our line needs a little work there as well. So both our lines can be touched up a little bit, but really like both of the outsides of our positions. So that'll be good. We like the skill positions is what, is what we're love saying. To Pete loves skill positions. There's no doubt about that. All right. You good if I wrap? We've been talking for 51 minutes, and I know you said 40 was was the max. It's bedtime for me. (laughs) Uh, If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. And, hey, we're on Apple Podcasts now, baby. Hey, we made it big time. Yep, I just moved our RSS feed over to Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. (laughs) We got a Ouija board and asked Steve, and he gave us the okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Um, feel free to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at SoundUpSeattle, lowercase one word. Uh, you can message us on email if you want to really get your, get your feelings out at uh, SoundUpSeattle at gmail.com. You can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John. I don't know, John, where are you going to be? i still playing Halo, man. Damn, that's a good game. Thanks, Bill Gates. <laughs> Um, yeah, hey, we love Seattle. We love the Seattle sports teams. And we're excited about the Mariners in these next couple months. We're excited to talk about the Seahawks with you. And uh, we hope you're excited to listen along and enjoy it with us. Wow, beautiful. And always, go M's, baby. Go M's. <laughs>